It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What is good, everybody? Welcome to the Gold Standard Podcast here on the Gold Standard Podcast Network. It's Thursday. You know what that means. I'm Rob Stats Guerrero. Alongside me, the human wet blanket, Levin Black. Hi, Levin. What's up, Statsy? going on how you doing on this thursday uh not gonna lie i could be better uh it's been a month since i've seen quality 49er football so i'm kind of i guess you could say in a grumpy mood i'm sick of it i'm sick of waiting bye weeks tend to make me annoyed because by the time you get to the end of it it's like all right just get the damn show on the road (laughs) and then you add in the three game losing streak before it yeah i'm kind of sitting here like i want to see what team i have damn it Join me then, because I'm actually a little crankier than normal, which I know is hard to believe, but I am. And it's because of this Steve Wilkes thing. So we're going to get into the Steve Wilkes moving to the sideline. We'll get into a little Jags preview. Plus, Levin has a bone to pick with me about Brandon Ayuk. But before we start, I want to remind everybody, please like and subscribe to the YouTube channel and rate, review and follow the Gold Standard Network podcast. If you leave a review, we will read it on the show and they really, really help us. So please do. This one comes from Alex from Cali. Five stars. Great shows. I've been listening for a while now and I have to say all the shows are awesome. I'm not sure what the 49ers are doing now with Wilkes defense. But Niners Nation is doing well with stats. I'm here throughout all the ups and downs. Hopefully the Niners turn it around. I'm tired of having bad Sundays. I'm having a bad show right now. Look at this comment from Boston95, YouTube channel member. The best co-host is back. You are awesome, Levin. I mean, Shout out to this one from Tony Bianco. Levin is him. Yeah, well, I'm less concerned with that one because <laughs> Boston95 is a YouTube channel member. Shout out to all the YouTube channel members. If you want to become one, it's less than $3 a month. You get custom emojis, membership badges, and priority comment response. Tony, you're about to get banned, Tony. (laughs) Don't worry. I can unban you. I have permissions. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, buddy says, does Levin have his own channel? No. Thank God the world is saved from more of Levin. Yeah, I've thought about it, but I, I pretty much don't have the time. If I had more time... Either I'd work out an agreement with you where I put it all on here and there's a revenue share on them, or I'd just start my own thing. But to date, well, as, no. As we wait for that, let's get into some of the things going on with the 49. What would, what would you do without me? I don't know. Smile more. Uh, I, Scott, 
I like this comment. The Steve Wilkes things proves he was a bad hire. If you've been living under a rock and you don't know, Kyle Shanahan said yesterday that he is moving. Well, he didn't expressly say he's moving, but all indications appear that he has told Steve Wilkes, get out of the booth and get on the sideline. I'll give my thoughts in a minute, Levin, but I want to give you a chance to speak. What is your reaction to this development? The the rest of the team wants input. Like, I think that's what this move is all about. They want, and I mean they as in Kyle Shanahan, and I think to a larger degree players, the leaders of that defense, want to be able to, in the moment, during the game, sit on the sideline, talk to their defensive coordinator, say, this is what we're seeing, this is what's happening, what about making these adjustments, what, make, what about doing this, what about blitzing from this spot, or just, you know, you make adjustments, you don't have to make huge adjustments, yeah, they're not going to be able to change the entire game plan until halftime, but you can make small adjustments, and I think it's really hard for the players to be able to, to do that and give him their feedback throughout the game, that, hey, this is what we're seeing, and I think there was a lot of feedback probably from the Warners and the Bosa saying, we need him down on the sideline so that we can talk to him and give him our input from what we're seeing from the player perspective so that he can then utilize that to make the correct adjustments. And that's the problem is that we're not adjusting to our opponent until halftime. And then out of halftime, if they're not the correct adjustments or the other team made adjustments back, we're not able to then make the correct adjustments for the fourth quarter or at the end of the game, all of that. That's what I take it as is that the players as well as Shanahan to a degree want to be able to talk to Wilkes during the game. And you can't really do that through the headset because there's too many people on headsets. There's too much going on to be, it's just like talking on the phone. How long does it take you to have a conversation on the phone to get a point across compared to in person, in person, it's a lot quicker. The exact same amount of time. What do you know? It's not <laughs> you're commuting. You're creating your message by voice. What's the difference whether you're holding a phone. Are you kidding? When you can see the person, there's nonverbal cues. There's things where you can cut the person off quicker that you can't do that on the phone. Hey, I get that point. Let's move on. Let's go to this because you're running out of time. Phone conversations are not nearly as valuable as in-person conversations. And that's just a statistical fact that every psychologist tells you. What statistics are you citing? Do you want me to email you statistics? Yes. Verbal communication in person is a heck of a lot more valuable and happens faster than when you do it through technology. I think it, I think that it's this idea that somehow that there there was no they couldn't communicate. Like okay, so a player comes off the field and he wants to say X to Steve Wilkes. He can either call up to the booth, which they've had phones. How do they, how do they call up to the booth? Get out of here! They, they you have a phone sitting there on the sideline. Yeah, yes, players are going to be. Sitting there. He's going to have what five phone calls from all his players? Hey, this is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm seeing. No, you can't have the same group conversation where you talk through the crap as a team and come to some kind of clear conclusion of what to do in the future. That's, That's nonsense. So That's so nonsense that you can sit on the sideline and talk on the phone to make adjustments. Of course you can. They've been doing it. Dan nobody Quinn. does it. Dan Quinn. Nobody is capable of doing that. That is not something you can do in the heat of battle when you're sitting on the sidelines with the crowd noise and everything else going on behind you. You How cannot do, that. do it. How do they do it in Dallas then? Do they have a good defense? He's up in the booth. It's absurd to me that we think that somehow it's impossible to get the message through because they're not both on the field. And and you think that Steve Wilkes, who's comfortable in the booth, is going to go down to the sideline, have 50 people yelling at him? You think that's going to help the communication? Oh, no, I, I don't think Wilkes is going to do overly well on the sideline. That's just not who he is, which I think gets back to the original comment that you threw up. He was a bad hire. He did not fit this team. He might be smart and know what he's talking about, but in terms of culture fit, he is clearly 100%. That, that's already out the door. <laughs> culture fit, he was not the right guy. So, well, that's the thing, right? Think about it. We, Steve Wilkes, we want you to come in, but we don't want you to run your scheme, okay? You, so we want you to run somebody else's scheme, and now we don't even want you to run that scheme where you're comfortable, right? Now we want you to run it on the sideline. It's like... What did you hire Steve Wilkes to do then? Like, basically, he's doing an imitation of D'Amico Ryans and Robert Sala. I don't think he's going to be doing that. But I do think 100% that the players gave feedback to Shanahan and Shanahan was feeling it himself that they want to be able to talk to Wilkes in the moment and have the team atmosphere where they huddle together on the sideline to make adjustments. 
Chad Marshall says, Levin, Rob has a snippet in the Grant show where he says, I can't get it up right now. It's not working. Someone has to grab that for the collection. That's true. I was trying to get a website. The first time that's, that's happened to you, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Jerk. Uh, I was trying to get a website up, and uh, it did not work. So you know what? Terrible job by me. Also, I missed this from Sway. Have you seen the GTA 6 trailer early next month? Well, if the trailer comes out early next month, how would I have seen it? Well, there were there's a whole bunch of, like, the GTA people were supposed to release the trailer earlier. It didn't end up happening. So then everybody's like, oh, the game's in trouble. They're not going to do it. They announced, yes, the game will be coming out. I can't remember the date, but they they said, this is when the trailer is going to drop, and this is when we expect the game to be dropped. Oh, well, see, there you go, Sway. There's your info. We cover all things here on the Gold Standard. Let's get back to yelling at each other. Emmanuel says, I understand the move of Wilkes going to the sideline, but I'm not sure how to feel about it. He's already out of his comfort zone. Yeah. I, I don't like what's going on with Steve Wilkes, Levin. I feel like he is being scapegoated. We've had eight games, and re- already Wilkes has been made to publicly apologize for a blitz call that he made, and now they're kicking him out of the booth where he's comfortable and forcing him to go on the sideline. I, I, I That's dicey, man. Two things. One, that, that's kind of how I feel this comment, that I understand why they're doing it, but at the same time, I'm not sure how to feel about it because it's not what he's used to. It's not his comfort zone. I don't know that it's actually going to improve things. But in terms of him being scapegoated, who made the play call? Who made the dumbest possible play call in the moment that cost him a touchdown and probably cost him that game? Wilkes, he's the only one. It's not scapegoating somebody when somebody, that person, did something that's incredibly freaking stupid. Just like Tart. Tart dropping the interception. Did it lose them the game? You could argue that. But do you blame him for dropping the interception? Absolutely. You're a professional. Catch the damn ball when it's given to you. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he is to blame for that play call, and that play call was huge. That might be the biggest single play of the season at this point because it set the tone for the for those games that have been happening. In terms of is everything his fault? No, not everything's his fault. The player's not tackling. That's not on Wilkes. That's on the players. Fred Warner. You know, that that's got to be – on it on the players 100 the tackling but i said this a couple weeks ago when you have something that is working super super well and you change one thing and suddenly that thing is broken you blame the thing that you changed and that's wilkes in this scenario i think that the reason that call in the vikings game was so important is because the 49ers only scored 17 points that's why to to just blame wilkes and and make him have to issue a statement after that game like he like he committed a crime, like he was a politician addressing some sort of scandal. I just thought it was really terrible. You know, no one is suggesting that Kyle Shanahan has to go to the booth because the offense has only scored 17 points the last three weeks. Like, I feel like Wilkes is getting a lot of blame when in reality, they're not as bad as people think, Levin. They are not. They are fourth in the league in points per game allowed. No team in the NFC gives up fewer points per game than Steve Wilkes 49ers defense. They're okay. 24th in the last three weeks. In oh, oh, okay. I'm glad you bring that up. I did some research today, Levin. Would it blow your doors off to know that going back to 2019, the 49ers have had a three-game stretch that's worse than this in every single season that they were good? And maybe in 2020, I don't know. I didn't look in 2020 since they sucked. In 2019, they allowed 26 points per game between weeks 9 and weeks 11. Yeah, that's the Kansas City game. In In 2021, they allowed 25 points per game for the first eight games of this season. That's more than they've given up the last three weeks. And in 2022, they allowed 26 points a game between weeks 6, 7, and 8. So maybe this isn't, oh, my God, Steve Wilkes is a huge disaster. It's worse than it's ever been. We're flailing. We're out of control. And maybe it's just literally something that happens to this defense every single year. So let's set the record straight because, to me, so far, you're kind of on both sides. Is there something wrong with Wilkes? Is there a culture fit issue? Is he doing a great job or not? He's not doing as bad a job as people are saying he's doing. There are things that can be can be improved. Absolutely. The tackling is definitely one of them. The sacks is definitely one of them. Like, I'm not saying there are no problems with the defense. I'm saying that the problems aren't nearly as big as everybody thinks. And this dog and pony show of moving him from the booth to the field, to me, is putting way too much blame on him. 
and it doesn't fix anything on its own. It just doesn't. But it might be the what's needed to happen to fix the things. I really do think the players and, and Shanahan not being able to have input throughout the game because it's too hard. Like, when when can Kyle talk to Wilkes? Whenever he, he wants. Whenever he wants. No, he can't. There's too many players that have headsets on that are going to be hearing what they're talking about. You can't have the same conversations when there's players that are be, being able to listen. You can't. That's what just simple. You, the players aren't on the headsets. The coaches are on the headsets. Some players do get to hear what's going on, yeah. You it's think, turned off for different points. It's not at all times. You think that Kyle Shanahan can't talk to Steve Wilkes, his defensive coordinator, whenever he wants on the headset? Not alone between the two of them to have an honest conversation. I'm, I would almost guarantee that he can. And even if he can't, who cares who's listening? Handle your business. I, I think that this sideline thing is way overblown. How is Steve Wilkes being on the sideline going to improve their tackling? which they've missed 32 tackles in the right. last three it weeks. It doesn't. That's doesn't. 100% on the players. How is it going to improve the fact that over the last three weeks, they have a negative turnover differential? It's not going to affect that either. Those are the things that matter. Those are the things that are the real problems on this defense. And it doesn't have anything to do with the physical location of Steve Wilkes. I mean, it, it's Shanahan has flat said it, that the coverage was not matching the rest of the defense. That's something that can be solved when they huddle together. Hey, because we're running this, this other part of the defense isn't working. Can we change these things to get them to be working more, you know, more cohesively? It's also the fact that Wilkes doesn't, I, I don't mean, he's using somebody else's defensive line scheme, the wide nine. Mm -hmm. I think him being on the sideline helps him connect the dots better about matching things up. When you got Kacerik down on the sideline and you got Wilkes up there who runs the secondary, it's hard for them to make adjustments on the fly. If Wilkes makes an adjustment to the secondary, it might not match up what is happening with the defensive line and what they're running. I think Wilkes isn't the best at figuring that out and how to get those things to work together. And him being down on the sideline, I would hope improves that. Maybe it's not fixable. That is a, that is a problem here. It might not get fixed by him being on the sideline. There might not be any change. Or because he's down on the sideline, something else is worse for him. Like he doesn't have the bird's eye view anymore. You've actually attended an NFL game. So now you understand that. But you know what I mean? Like him not having that bird's eye view, he might not be able to see things as he's used to and know what to do as a defensive coordinator. Now he's down the sidelines. Sidelines is the worst possible angle to watch <laughs> the game from. Right. That's why the coaches are up high. Um, I think the adjustments you're talking about get made during the week. They don't, they just do some adjustments get made during the game. Yes. But I think all of those adjustments can be made with a guy in the booth. Again, we, there are teams that do it really well with their defensive coordinator in the booth. Dan Quinn and Dallas being a perfect example, Vic Fangio, the guy, everybody wanted to be the Niners defensive coordinator up in the booth. It's not like Wilkes has experience with linebackers or defensive linemen, right? So he's not going to be able to offer coaching tips on the sideline to those guys the, the position he can offer coaching tips to is the secondary and the best place to view the secondary is from up above. Yeah. You're, you're not wrong. It might not work, but I do think that they, the players wanted input. They wanted to be able to talk to their defensive coordinator and be like, Hey, this is what we're seeing. Cause that does happen. Like I, I know rich Madrid try He threw out a post saying it, it's hilarious to me. The fans think they actually make adjustments on the fly. It's like they do. Do they make whole scale scheme adjustments? No, but they absolutely make adjustments on the fly throughout a game. Yeah, I think, yeah, they, clearly they do make some, absolutely. Um, I just want to take issue with another thing too, because people have been disagreeing with me on Twitter constantly since I tweeted my skepticism about the move yesterday. And there's a lot of people saying, oh, well, it's obvious. Look at him. You never played the game. You never strapped on shoulder pads and a helmet. You don't know what you're talking about. Fair enough. I'm 140 pounds soaking wet. Yes, I never played professional football. But you know who did? Steve Young. He was on KMBR uh, last week. He talked about this. Listen to Steve Young talk about the idea of moving Steve Wilkes from the booth to the sideline. That's a problem you used to think about in March. You know, oh, we need a defensive coordinator. We need him to come out of the booth. We need like, no, that, save that one for March. 
uh, we're gonna we're looking for solutions, and that's not part of the solution. Those are kind of things that are static. You don't. That, the only reason he'd do that is because we screamed about it, and I don't know that we want that to be the reason why he comes down. Quick question, Levin: Did Steve Young ever play in the NFL? Did he ever strap on shoulder pads and put on a helmet? I I can't remember. Did he? Uh, did he play? I'm gonna value what's on this team currently. Like Steve Young, yeah, he has great insight. He he played, but he's not on this team. Clearly, this team and Kyle Shanahan think thinks it's a big deal. Should Kyle have negotiated that while negotiating with Wilkes? One hundred percent. It should have been, hey, we want to hire you, but we have this one stipulation: you need to be on the sideline. And if Wilkes said no, so be it. Now they're forcing him in the middle. It might not go well, right? But clearly, the team, this locker room values the defensive coordinator being on the sideline and that's why he's coming down i think it's desperate i think it looks like we are flailing we don't know how to fix it and we I... are that's the whole thing yes we are flailing we have gotten worse and worse things aren't working our, I... our pass rush can't get home our secondary can't cover anybody for more than two seconds Nothing's working. Our linebackers are missing tackles left and right. They're not filling the correct holes. This team is getting run on for the first time in a decade over and over. They can't stop the run. All those things. This defense is flailing. Are they horrendous? No. Are they about as bad as they can be when they have this much talent? I would say yes. This is a defense that's so crazy talented that being in the bottom of the top 10 is terrible for them. That is horrendous results. They're seventh in yards. Seventh. And they're fourth because of the first five games. Well, the first five games count. Then the Yeah, but recency matters. How are they playing right now? When you get to the playoffs and a team comes out and plays like crap, and they played like crap the final three weeks of the season, do you sit and go, well, hey, they were really good those first 14 games, so they were a really good team. Or do you talk about, hey, yeah, they fell off. They peaked too early. Their their last four games, they were trash. Things got figured out. This defense has been terrible. I think they're I, – I can't remember the exact number. I, I want to say that it was 27th in yards in the last three games in the NFL. They are getting worse and worse. They're failing at things that they've never failed at before. So they are reeling. They are in trouble. They do need to make changes. They should be desperate. I think it's way overblown. There's the stat from Nick Wagoner. Over the last three games, they are 24th in points per game allowed. They are 30th in yards. They are 31st in defensive EPA, and they are tied for 13th in takeaways. Sorry, that's a little small. Um but I just think that people, again, as I pointed out earlier, this has happened to every 49er defense since they've been good starting in 2019. It happened under D'Amico Ryans. It happened under Robert Sala. Nobody moved them up to the booth. Nobody, there wasn't this, this kind of reaction. Like we have to fire this guy. I think we're just sort of losing perspective a little bit. I hey, do. I, I'm going to call you on it. Cause you're kind of talking out of two sides of BS. You, we have talked about on this show, and together many times that this team's philosophy of, well, we always go on a run at the end of the year, so it's not that big of a deal what happens in the beginning, is BS. Because what happened in the past, you can't guarantee. Eventually, you're not going to be able to make that crazy run and be this dominant team at the end of the season. Mm -hmm. So this defense, you're not doing well. You can't just go, well, this defense has always had a stretch like this every year, so it's not a big deal. They'll get it turned around. Well, the problem is right now they're not playing well, so there's no guarantee they make the right adjustments. I'm not, Again, I'm not saying it's perfect. I'm saying there are things to be fixed. Steve Wilkes going to the sideline isn't what fixes those things. That's my be. issue. Uh, Chris Maldonado says, the good thing is we find out Sunday, 11 Colorado time, if there's a difference, even a little difference with Wilkes in the sideline, I know it might take some time. Well, this is my other issue with it, Levin. Let's say the Niners go out against the Jags and give up like 17 points, right? People are going to be like, see, it worked because this is the change they can see, right? They don't see the adjustment like, is Wilkes playing more man on third and long? Or did he switch from cover two to cover three in this situation? Or is he playing Talanoa Hufanga on the strong side instead of the weak side? Like, this is the most obvious change. So people are going to point to it and say, see, it definitely worked when not realizing there could be multiple other adjustments that the 49ers made over the bye week. 
Well, it's a good thing people like us are around to talk about it, huh? Well, you need people smarter than me. Because if we just went off what the, I'm generalizing, the fan base as a whole talks about, it. the fan base is so large, it's just like the general population when you're talking about an election. They end up talking about nothing important because the average doesn't know enough to talk about the more detailed stuff. They talk about generalities, stereotypes, things like that. And so that's why we don't do that. That's why people like us exist. That's why people tune in. That's why people are watching right now. Well, and also, I think we don't pretend to be something we're not. Like, we're not defensive scheme experts. We're not film experts. You know, I, I think that's fair. I don't think we pretend to be that. And I think people respect that. Uh, Antonio says, eighth in points per drive, 10th in EPA per play, fourth in points per game. Didn't know there was an issue. There are issues, clearly. The tackling is definitely an issue, for sure. I think just the general overall overall intensity is an issue, for sure. But I don't think just moving Steve Wilkes to the sideline fixes those. I think the things that actually fix those are independent of where Steve Wilkes calls the game from. And I think it's probably, like, if I were him, I'd be annoyed with what's going on. How would you feel? I mean, it is what it is. I think... It's clear Shanahan told him, come down on the sideline or else. Yeah, I think I think this was not a voluntary thing. No. Wilkes, Wilkes has answered questions about it in this season, about how he doesn't think anything is benefited by him coming to the sideline. So clearly it was not his choice. It's very clear his boss said, no, you're doing this whether you like it or not. Uh, Steve Wilkes has a media session today. That's yeah, going to be fun. <laughs> I would love it if he got up there and was like, look, we're, you know, we're fourth in points per game. We're seven in yards. Get off my ass. Like, I, I would respect him a little bit if he said that. He's not going to say that. Um, and I also don't think he's going to be, you know, Mr. Rara on the sidelines because that's not who he is. That's not his personality. And if he tries to do that, I think it it's going to backfire. Yeah. I don't think it's going to work. He, he is a Nick Bosa who coaches in terms of <laughs> demeanor. <laughs> right. There's nothing there. Hey, guys. Oh, man, we missed the tackle. (laughs) Uh, Chris Maldonado says, what have the players said about the move? Uh, I don't think they said anything yesterday. I'm sure they'll get asked about it again, so we'll find out. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. I think that the defense is beginning way too much of the focus. I think the defense has played well enough the last three weeks that they could have won all those games if the offense didn't completely pee down their leg, especially in critical spots. I mean, we can take it a different angle. We can talk about how Kyle Shanahan forcing him down to the sideline tells you that he feels like this slide of the last three games is different than ever before, and he's actually desperate this time around. Whereas before, you never had. I think that's a legitimate conversation to be had, that Kyle Shanahan can feel that something is different about this and the team has lost its fire for the first time in years, and he wants to try to refocus them by stirring things up, and that he really, truly is desperate because he can he knows the players. He can sense there has been a demeanor change, and he, he needs to get them back to being this cocky team because they have been cocky. Waltony101, part of the Twitch army, appreciate everybody, says hopefully Steve Wilkes does the media session from a booth. That would be hysterical, and I love that. But like what you just said, right, oh, we got to get the team back to where where it was. It's almost like this team really only has one way that they can win, right? They need to get up early. They need to force the other team to be one-dimensional. And now apparently they need a coach on the sideline. Like 
damn, man, football is about overcoming adversity and triumphing when the situation is not ideal, when it's not the perfect thing for you. And it doesn't seem like this 49ers team can do it. No, I, I think there's a legitimate conversation to be had about how prima donna this 49ers team is. You can make a pretty solid argument about this team as a bunch of babies. <laughs> if they don't get their exact way, they crumble and they throw a temper tantrum. And look, I, I, I think there's a little bit of truth to that. I wouldn't go as far as what I just said, but I think there's a little bit of truth to that. That This team is the schoolyard bully that when they actually get punched in the face, somebody lands a punch, they crumble and they disappear. You're right. Um, let me ask you this question. This came up with Grant and I thought it was really good. Let's say the 49ers win on Sunday. Would you rather see a victory similar to the Dallas game where they get up early and just pour it on and dominate? Or would you rather see a back and forth game and the Niners pull it out at the end? Uh, my reaction to that is I don't give a f- I win. know, but you know what I'm asking. I know what you're asking and I don't care. Just win. There's pluses and minuses to both of those things. If they go out and they dominate, a team that is currently six and two on the road on an East Coast game, that's a massive confidence boost, and they're probably going to get their group back, get their mojo back, as I've been saying. If they go out and win a tough game, then I, you know what the positive is. That's why you're asking it. Hey, they finally proved they can win the grimy game, right? There's pluses and minuses to both of those. I don't care as long as they win. If they lose, then all right, the guys that have been here quite a while and they're aging, start packing your. Sh- because you're probably going elsewhere because it's time to to flip the script. It, you know, it's not going to be bring back the same cast because it's clear that that cast peaked. Well, not only that, but think about how differently you feel about this team versus a win or a loss this week, right? If they win six and three, stop the losing streak, you're playing Tampa Bay next week, you feel pretty good, right? You're like, all right, we've righted this ship a little bit. If they lose... Oh my God, they're five and four. It's a four game losing streak. They're in free fall. Their defense doesn't know what to do to fix anything. Just the way we're going to feel about this team on Monday, the 13th is so different based on the outcome of this one game. You want to know something funny? I caught myself thinking this on Sunday. I was watching the bills game, right? Mm -hmm. The bills ended up losing yet another close game. They fell to five and four. But I found myself thinking towards the end of that game when they had a chance to try to go win the game, I, I literally had the thought and it stopped me. And I was like, why don't I think that about my own team? And my thought was, well, even if they don't get it done in this, that's still not a team I want to play in the playoffs. They're going to make the playoffs, even if they fall to five and four. And that's not a team I would want to play. And that would be a team that I would consider one of the best teams and uh, possible Super Bowl winners. Even if they enter the playoffs at 10 and 7, I would think that because the potential is there with the Bills. You've seen it. But I don't think this, along the same lines exactly with the Niners. You know, if, if they fall and they end up only being 10 and 7 and squeaking in the playoffs, I'm going to say these guys are frauds. They're, there's no way they're making a run and winning the Super Bowl. See, I think that's because we all like set our sights and had this expectation of winning the number one seed, right? And if they fall short of that, you feel like they failed in a way, but they really haven't, right? Just get into the playoffs and take your best shot, you know, every single week. Who knows what can happen? But I I don't think that's the feel because the 49ers have talked about getting the number one seed. Kyle Shanahan has talked about the importance of how nice it would be to get that by. They've all talked about getting back. We got to get back to the NFC Championship game we got to live up to this standard this ideal of last year and the previous years instead of just like living in the moment live in this year forget the other years you've got to succeed now and i i don't like that mindset and maybe it it won't shift until they lose again i took it a different way what i came up with the reason i feel that way about buffalo and i don't mean this as a slight on purdy he's had no chance to prove it but Josh Allen is one of those truly special quarterbacks. And the the reason why I still wouldn't want to play them is because if Josh Allen is on good freaking luck, you know, he's one of those quarterbacks that it doesn't matter what's going on with the team. It doesn't matter how many holes, how many things, whether the defense is getting torched, he could go out and throw for 400 yards and five touchdowns. And it does none of the other stuff mattered. They still won. That's why I feel like it's still a, 
well, I wouldn't want to play that team in the playoffs because they have one of the truly elite quarterbacks that you just don't want to face. So somebody earlier asked, how do, what have the players said about Wilkes switching? Uh, there's question, There's an article from NBC Sports Bay Area with comments from Eric Armstead. He said, I think in the past, me personally, and I've seen other people communicating with Sala and D'Amico, Armstead said, that has been helpful at times. Uh, let's see, Wilkes has a history of coaching the secondary. Armstead understands why Wilkes might have wanted an overview of the field. I know Coach Wilkes comes from the back end defensive backs, and I'm sure it's great for him to be able to see the full picture on the back end coverage-wise and stuff like that. See, that's what I mean. Like, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it, it's going to be nearly as helpful as, as people think. I hope. Look, I hope it helps. I'd love to see them pitch a shutout on Sunday. That would be great, but I don't think it will. I don't know if it's going to help. But I do feel like the thought process for Shanahan here was my players are unhappy. They feel like there's a disconnect with their defensive coordinator. He needs to come down so that they can regroup and get on the same page. And if it doesn't work, we were screwed anyways. Yeah, I, I, it feels to me like there's always something they point to to sort of avoid responsibility, right? Well, in the NFC Championship game, we lost all our quarterbacks, right? Okay. Well, in the Browns game, if Jake Booty just makes that kick, we we did fine. We're okay. If he makes that kick, we win. Well, in the Vikings game, if we don't call that blitz call, we're good. We would have won. Like, no, own up and admit you have to be better. Now we're on, well, if Steve Wilkes was just on the sideline, then we'd be fine. Like, what what's the excuse going to be if they lose this week and Wilkes is on the sideline? When is it their fault? When do they just have to say, we suck and we need to get better? You know, I, I, I want to throw this up because I think this is a, a good good comment here. M. Patel says, too many nice guys need some a-holes on this team. Who is the Ray Lewis or Richard Sherman that won't tolerate substandard play? And I think that ties into what you were just saying. It's a good point that I hadn't thought of. Have we seen a single instance this season of somebody on the defense tearing into the guys and yelling at him? We got to be better or anything like that. Have we seen the defense huddle together where one of the guys is just tearing into them and ripping them a new one saying we got to be better? I haven't seen it. I don't. Maybe it, I mean, so. they don't always catch it with the cameras, yeah. but I haven't seen a single instance of it. Normally, even if the TV cameras don't pick it up, one of the media members will pick it up from, from the booth and talk about, hey, the team, you know, they might not have video of it, but they'll talk about it. I haven't seen anything along those lines that, yeah, Fred Warner just tore into him, or Dre Greenlaw tore into him, or Armstead, or whoever. And maybe this team is missing that vocal leader, and it used to be the defensive coordinators, right? Sala and D'Amico were both that type of person, and thus nobody on this defense has developed into that as a player because they've always had the coach there as the crutch to do it. The coach or Jimmy Ward, right? Jimmy Ward? Yeah, I guess Jimmy Ward, yeah. Would have done it, or Richard Sherman absolutely would have done it. Uh, Mint Diggity says, if if I feel like these babies are just upset because their coach isn't a cheerleader, just tackle and make plays. I think it's much more on the players than on the coaches. And I also think the offense has to be better. Who's who's the guy on the offense that's been tearing into them for only scoring 17 points? Like, where's that person, right? The 17 points per game with all the all pros they have and Kyle Shanahan, that's not good enough. That is flat out unacceptable. If you want to say the defense needs to be better, fine. But you better have that same energy for the offense. Yeah, somebody needs to tell that offensive line to, uh, for lack of a better way, be a man and actually push somebody <laughs> rather than getting pushed yourself. Because that offensive line has gotten worked and it's not all Trent Williams. That existed before Trent Williams went down. Mm -hmm. They were struggling to run the ball while Trent Williams was still healthy. That offensive line is getting their butts handed to them every week. And rather than being angry about it, they're going, oh, shucks. It's it's bad. They haven't been able to run the ball at all. And I don't know if they're going to be able to run the ball this week, Levin. Uh, for the crossover this week, I talked with Mike Dempsey, who's a co-host on the Jaguars radio network on their game day show. And I said, look, the Niners want to run the ball. And his response was basically, great. We'll take that all day. Like, that is not the soft spot of this Jaguars defense. So the Niners are going to need to have a backup plan for, okay, we can't run the ball. Fortunately, Debo looks like he's going to be back. I think Kyle's backup plan will probably be like quick slants and screen passes to Debo, which is a pretty good backup plan. But I feel like this might not be the week where the running game gets healthy. Right. So 
we can transition into talking more about Jacksonville. He's not he's not wrong that the strength of this defense is their rush defense. They're fourth in the league in average yards per rush. It's only 3.6 yards. Uh, I think they're better than the Niners in terms of giving up the run. So this is not a game that they're likely, unless there's one play that skews it because McCaffrey breaks a 40-yard run, they're not going to consistently be able to run the ball. They're going to have to win passing. And there are some interesting things there. You know, you talked about Debo. The short game is the weakness of this Jacksonville defense. They've given up the most receptions to running backs in the league. They're giving up seven and a half receptions per game to running backs. This is the, yes, right. This is the screen game. Go to screens from McCaffrey. This is the get McCaffrey out into the flat, give him the ball in space. Even if, you know, treat it like a run play, right? Just get him a soft thing in the flat, give him three, four five yards because you're not going to be able to run the ball consistently. So I I do think this is going to be a game that's going to be a lot of that. And Debo will be involved in that because Debo's a hybrid player. He's not a true wide receiver. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I hope that they use McCaffrey then. Just pepper it, man. Use him as a receiver primarily. Let Jordan Mason and Elijah Mitchell run the ball. That You can do that too, you know? Like, you don't have to give Christian McCaffrey 20 carries every game. You know, press until it hurts on the weak spots. I, I would be absolutely fine with that. And well, Brock. Oh, go so, ahead. I was going to say, I talked about it after the last game. McCaffrey, I feel like Shanahan fell in love with McCaffrey's route running. And that's great because he is a really good route runner. But I talked about how he hasn't been there as just the dump off, the safety net for Purdy. It seems like there aren't any of those because McCaffrey's out running a true route. He's 10, 15, 20 yards down the field. He's all the way over on the sideline because he ran an out route. He's not just coming out like we saw last year when Purdy was, you know, a completely unknown. We saw McCaffrey was just coming and sitting three or four yards downfield in the middle of the field there as a safety net for Purdy to use if nothing else was there. We haven't seen that, and I'd like to see that come back. Yes, McCaffrey every once in a while should run a true route, but don't fall in love with the route running. Keep a safety net there for Purdy so that he's not forcing things deeper. You know, I actually saw some graphs today that Purdy is uh, way towards the bottom. I think there were only four quarterbacks worse in terms of average time to throw. Yet he was third in average depth of target, highest meaning. So he has almost no time to throw, yet he's throwing deep at a rate super high. So that tells me that he, he's going deep too much, right? If he doesn't have time to throw, yet he's throwing deep a lot, I feel like he's probably forcing some of these deeper passes. One of the things that I noticed, I watched uh, JT O'Sullivan's Purdy breakdown, and he pointed out multiple times how the Bengals – defensive players were basically crashing on McCaffrey. Anytime he caught it, came out of the backfield, they were basically just diving on, like almost cheating towards him. Like, yeah, yeah they were kind of doing their responsibility, but more they were ready to trigger and pounce on any sort of dump off to McCaffrey because they didn't respect Jawan Jennings in the slot or, you know, whatever their other primary coverage responsibility was. And you know what a top offense like the Chiefs would do with that? They would take the tight end, for them, Kelsey, because they don't have a wide receiver, but they would take a player and they would use that against the defense. They would have McCaffrey go out to a specific spot and then have the the other guy, the actual primary target of the play, go right into that spot that the linebacker is abandoning and take the easy give me in a zone. And it's not a play that's predetermined exactly where that player is going to end up. It takes the quarterback and the receiver to be on the same page and see when that linebacker vacates. They do that all the time with Kelsey. Kelsey goes out. He has you know, a route that he's supposed to run, but really what he's doing is he's watching the zone and he's waiting to find out, okay, this is the spot in the zone that's going to be soft. And he sits in that spot and then Mahomes hits him. Like, I would like to see that. If they're going to be super aggressive going against McCaffrey or or Debo, use it against them. Don't have a predetermined route where nobody goes in and takes that vacated spot that the defense is cheating from. And if nothing else, if they don't fix the defensive issues, if they don't fix the tackling, if they don't fix anything else, 
if they just fix the turnovers, they're going to be in a position to win this game at the end. If they do nothing else but but protect the football and don't turn it over, they're going to be right there. Brock, I got to have a big old zero in the turnover column for you this week. No picks, no fumbles, no stupid plays, okay? I got to have – you have to fix that. I know you're going to have growing pains. You can have growing pains without turning the football over. Those two things are possible too. Learn when the play is over. Learn when to live for another down and protect the damn ball. Here, I'll give you an easy trivia question. Ooh, okay. What what team leads the league in turnovers per game? Forced. Jacksonville? Yeah. <laughs> They're forcing 1.8 turnovers per game first in the NFL. So good luck. I am so smart. Uh 187 says CMC, no fumbles, yeah. please. Yeah, that too. Like everybody. If somebody puts the ball on the turf, oh man, like you will run a mile, if right? There's another red zone turnover. Whoever oh. turns it over can sit their butt on the bench. <laughs> Unless it's McCaffrey, in which case, just don't do it again, Christian. But yeah, no, that, no. That's- if Christian McCaffrey does it three games in a row, he can sit his butt on the bench for a while. It's They have to get it under control. They have to, especially in the fourth quarter if it's close. Like Brock, man. Like since in, in that Cincinnati game, the defense gave the 49ers a chance to win. They didn't play their best game, but they gave them a chance to win. And Brock Purdy threw interceptions on back-to-back passes in that game like they were there as much as we've been talking about the defense and ripping them the ISS just have the same energy for the offense they have to be better they have to can't take a quarter and a half or two quarters to get going either come out of the gate go down the field if I were Kyle Shanahan I would take the ball first give me the ball first we're going out we're gonna go right down the field we're gonna stuff it down your throat we're gonna go up immediately and we're gonna set the tone for this game right out of the gate. I, I do think that the reason why the offense is, has not gotten the same criticism. Yeah. They haven't gotten the points, but you, and take this with a grain of salt. Cause I know how you're going to react. They've still moved the ball at an elite rate. They're still getting a bunch of yards. They've turned the ball over and they've just come up barely short of getting points many times, but they're still consistently moving the ball and being able to be a quality offense. It hasn't resulted in points, so take it with a grain of salt. Whereas the defense, they've gotten bullied. And that's why everybody's like, what the heck is happening? This defense has so much talent, and we're not seeing them be able to stop anybody. They're getting their butts whooped. They're missing tackles. They're getting shoved out of the way, and the other team's being able to run on them at will. We've never seen that from this team. And I I think there is a difference when an offense is moving the ball, but not resulting in points, you go right, but they're still moving the ball. So it's not all bad when a defense just can't stop anybody from running the ball and they're getting shoved around. Your reaction to that is, wow, this defense just doesn't have it. See, I think you could say the same thing about the defense only in the inverse, right? Yeah. They're getting shoved around. Teams are moving the ball on them, but they're not giving up a ton of points per game, which they're not again, fourth fewest in the entire NFL. They've only had one game where they've given up 30 points. So I think you could say that that same premise to the defense. I mean, you're not, you're not wrong. No, no, no. The, the phrase you're searching for is right. You are correct. <laughs> you are right, Rob. You could say it. They know. But there's a different, the same difference that I was just talking about still exists in that. Do you feel great about a team that is giving up all sorts of yards and getting the, allowing the other team to move the ball methodically down the field, convert third down after third down, but then they just stop them and limit them to a field goal? Or do you feel better about a team on the other side of the ball that moves the ball constantly but doesn't quite get the points for whatever reason, right? I think it's a distinction without a difference. No, I think there is a difference there. When one team is getting dominated consistently and then just coming up on the last play, you don't feel very good about it. The, the inverse of the defense would be a team that's not moving the ball at all, but then they have three or four long touchdowns. So overall, they're scoring 25, 26 points per game, but they're only getting you know, the ball to move and get a first down on like 20% of their drives. You wouldn't feel very good about that offense. You would be criticizing that offense. Why can't they move consistently? Why can't they stay on the field? You know, that's one of the things we've talked about with the defense. Why can't they get off the field? They allow third down conversion after third down conversion. But I do think that that's a big reason why the narratives are different between these two, even though both sides 
results-wise are about the same in the last three weeks in terms of points. See, I don't, that's weird to me. Like, I don't. What is comforting that the offense can go down the field, but not get points? Like, I'm not any more. That's to me like, well, they're getting pressures, but they're not get, they're not getting sacks, but they're getting pressures. It's like, okay, well, great, but they're not getting sacks. Oh, the offense is moving the ball down the field, but they're not scoring points. Okay, great, but they're not scoring points. Like to me, it's it's the same thing. I I don't feel any better about the offense just because they can go between the twenties. Right. No. But what's more likely? To improve. When you're talking about the potential of something changing and improving, you feel better and more encouraged about them coming through if they're moving the ball consistently. And nine times out of ten, they're doing well. It's just that one time out of ten comes at a terrible time, so they're not getting as many points over the team that's failing nine times out of ten. But that one time out of ten, they manage to keep points off the board. Right? You feel more encouraged about a team fixing a certain aspect if they're succeeding over and over they're just not quite coming through right at the end you feel more encouraged about that i understand the point that you're making but to me i it doesn't i don't feel that way. i don't agree with your point like i don't feel better about the team even though they move the ball and even though yes i get your point they're succeeding over and over again but not doing the final last part i it's a bottom line business for me all i care about is how many points do you score and how many points do you give up if you let every team get down to the one yard line and you don't let them score and you pitch a shutout every game, your defense is fantastic, right? Like I, I don't know. I I see what you're saying. I just, I just want them to score points and I want them to allow very little points. <laughs> I think that's the uh, baby cone in you. <laughs> well, I, like I don't think that's that outrageous, right? Like I don't give them credit just because the offense can move the ball between the twenties. Like you should be able to do that. You're loaded with studs. If you can't move the ball between the 20s with this amount of offensive talent, then we got real problems. Don't tell right. me about the labor the, pain. The Show offense the is game. doing closer to what you expect than the defense is doing. Okay, but like the points are what matters more than the yards. The Absolutely. Point, and so the defense is not allowing very many points and the offense isn't scoring very many points. Right. See, so, I said right this time. You're not, <laughs> you're not wrong. But the offense is a lot closer to scoring a lot of points than the defense is to, I guess they haven't allowed a lot of points, if you want to say that, but they've right. given up a lot of yards, so there's not a whole lot of concern. You can make the argument that the defense has been lucky to not allow a lot more points, whereas the offense has been unlucky to not score more points. Aha. Um, yeah, maybe. That might be fair. That's, kind of, that's where I fall, like, the offense is really close to scoring a lot more points, whereas the defense is not close to allowing less points. They're close to allowing more points. You, If you want to say the offense is closer to fixing their problems than the defense, okay. You begrudgingly brought me over. I still don't feel <laughs> good about either one. I still really don't feel good about either one. Um, the other thing is, how is Wilkes going to play the coverages? Because Trevor Lawrence destroys zone coverage, at least this year. He's been very, very good against it. Nick Wagner had a tweet that I'm going to throw on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. Trevor Lawrence is first in QBR and second in completion percentage and fourth in EPA on passes, uh, passes against the zone. Against man, he's 24th in QBR, 22nd in completion percentage, and 21st in EPA on passes. So is Wilkes... People keep saying Wilkes has got to play more zone, but is that really the path to victory this week against the Jags? I don't know. doesn't seem like it. How about uh, Mooney Ward and Lenore play man and Oliver, you just give him a simple zone. Hey, just stand in this spot and stop <laughs> anything from that spot. Cause really <laughs> the, the defense's issues w would be almost completely fixed. Yeah. There's still been some issues. Mooney Ward hasn't been as great as you would hope, but overall this defense would be really good. If Isaiah Oliver wasn't such a crappy player, he is horrible. <laughs> he is literally the worst cornerback in the league this year. He's giving up almost 90% pass completion. He's giving up, I, I think it's like seven receptions a game or something like that. If you just had the slot playing average football, this defense would not be a topic of conversation. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. If you just got league average play from, the, I mean, anytime they run a slot fade, it works. 
and it's been a problem with him. It's been a problem with Kwan Williams. They have not been able to solidify that slot position. Now, maybe Darrell Luter can eventually come back, or maybe Samuel Womack can come back, and they'll move Lenore into the slot or whatever, but none of that's happening on Sunday. On Sunday, it's going to be Isaiah Oliver. He is going to be out there, and I, you have to. St- you can't have such a huge liability. Any third down, I feel like they're just going to say, all right, where's 26? Okay, there he is. Let's go. Like, if the pass rush is not getting there, that's going to be available to them all day long. And who does Jacksonville have that plays the slot a lot? Uh, is it Chark? Uh, no. Kirk? Ridley? Kirk? Sorry, yeah. Kirk, Kirk is one of the most efficient players in the slot the last two years. In terms of routes run in the slot and production, I think he's second in the NFL in terms of average yards gained uh, per route run out of the slot. He is a really, really good slot player, and that's my concern in this game because the, <laughs> the offense for Jacksonville hasn't been good. No part of the Jackson offense has been good. They're 17th in uh, uh, rushing. They're 17th in passing. Overall, I think they're like 20th in yards per game. Like It's not that, oh, they've been really good in this aspect and not good in this aspect. No, they've been – mediocre to slightly below average in all aspects of the game. I think Trevor Lawrence only has nine passing touchdowns on the season. Like they just haven't, they haven't been good. Yeah. He has not had that sort of step forward that we all thought. Hopefully that continues by the way, but that to me just speaks even more to not turning the football over, right? Don't give them short field. Don't give this mid offense short fields. Force them to have to drive all the way down the field on you over and over and over and over again. So the the fastest way to lose is to give a bad offense a short field. So they have to protect the ball and special teams too. Right. Jacksonville is the team in the NFL this year that has been saved by turnovers because they're forcing so many turnovers. They're six and two. Their defense is only... And I know there's there's a lot of 17s. Everything was 17. (laughs) (laughs) Their defense is 17th in the NFL in yards allowed per play. And as I just said, their passing offense and their rushing offense are both ranked 17th, respectively. So they're not great at anything except for turnovers. So if you don't turn the ball over, you should win. They have taken the ball away 18 times so far this year. That is tied with the Saints for the most in the league. Yeah, you are the Saints absolutely have played right. nine games, whereas they've only played eight. So that's why they're first in turnovers per game. So protect the damn ball. Oh my God. I think that they will. I, I think that what's going to happen is Kyle's going to say, we got to protect the ball. We got to run the ball with Christian McCaffrey. We got to run the ball. We got to run and run and run it. And then when they don't run it, then it's going to be like, Oh no, we can't run the ball. What are we going to do? So I don't know. I'm nervous. I'm very nervous about this game. I, I've said in many other places that I've been on, I would take the Jags and the points in this one. I don't know why the 49ers are favored in this game. The Jags are at home. They've won five straight games. The Niners are in free fall. They've lost three straight. To me, I would take the points, but that's just me. Well, I, you do this sometimes. You talk about the line and who's favored as if Vegas sets that based upon who they actually think will win. Now, they set that to get the most betting action they think they can get in the way that they want to get it. Yes, thank you for explaining gambling to me. Well, you keep using it like, I can't believe. I don't understand why the Niners are favored in this one. They're not. Vegas just set the betting line so that suckers take it. But they're telling you the sucker bet is the Jacks. Yeah. That's what I mean. I don't think it's the sucker bet. (laughs) I think they're just wrong. We're going to find out. So what's your official prediction? <laughs> I, I, I'll predict the Niners are going to win. Do I know what this team is? No, I have no effing clue. The last three weeks are completely perplexing to me. So predicting what this team is going to be coming out of the bye is a fool's errand to me. I, I'm a fan, and this team has been great after the bye in recent seasons. So I'll predict that they're going to win. I don't think it's going to be an overly high-scoring game. Both offenses play at a slow pace. So I think it's not going to be a, a game where you, you get a lot of big plays and quick scoring drives or anything along those lines. I think it's going to be something like a 24-17 to 17 game. It's not going to be overly high-scoring. 
red eye watching on YouTube. Vegas is wrong 90% of the time. It's amazing uh, they can build multi-billion dollar casinos when they lose money left and right, huh? Red Eye, do you think that they have all those fountains out there in Las Vegas because they're wrong 90% of the time? You think that they're only right 10% of the time and, and Las Vegas exists? Like, no. They're Vegas wrong. is not stats, okay? They're certainly better than I am. <laughs> they're not wrong. They're almost never wrong, okay? They're, sometimes they are, but almost never. And it's freakishly ridiculous how accurate they are. You know how many times they'll have a team favored by two and a half and then the other team will win by three? Like, it's absurd. So I don't know where what Las Vegas you're paying attention to, Red Eye, but no, they're they're very right. Uh, yeah. I mean, Vegas, they have the best inside information. I mean, you, you you think Schefter has inside information? No. <laughs> like, what, what do you call them? The, the human one-minute warning or something like that? Because... They go, hey, this is going to happen. We're going to make a public yeah. announcement in 60 seconds. Go ahead and tweet out your thing. Yeah. Well, Vegas, Vegas gets info nobody's gotten. Right. Absolutely. Um, by the way, did you catch quick before we go? Did you catch my show with Grant this week? I did not. Okay. Well, I fell into a YouTube rabbit hole and I came across the Singletary rant. And mm -hmm. it turns out it perfectly applies to the 49ers. Real quick. Singletary. We go out, we hit people in the mouth. They haven't been doing that. We are not a charity. We cannot give them the game. They've been doing that. We execute from the very start of the game to the very end of the game. They haven't been doing that. It's absurd how much it applies. Two things. One, I mentioned that on an instant reaction. The, the, the team was reminding me of those teams immediately before Harbaugh. Tons of talent, but undisciplined. Mm -hmm. Two, Maybe we need another depancing to get this team going. And if that happens, I want it to be Kittle. Did you see my tweet about Kittle? Yes. I thought you got that for me. I had that in 49ers and five days before your tweet that George Kittle and CJ Beathard have matching ass tattoos. Sent an address they lived at. Right. Of a party house they lived at in college. So and I would have a question for George Kittle. We know you have an ass tattoo of 830 Miller, which was your address when you were at Iowa. On the other cheek, do you know I have Cabo Crew? <laughs> <laughs> I just think the funniest part of this story is not that they have the tattoos. It's that other people came and walked into the shower and <laughs> looked at Bedford and Kittle and were like, why do you have matching ass tattoos? It, that, I mean, that's not a topic I want to get into, but it's not like you're sitting and staring, but peripheral vision exists, except, right. especially for professional athletes. So when you see something that's probably stark ghost white, and all of a sudden there's something that's not that color. You're going, is that really a tattoo on the guy's butt? Oh, I think you notice it. Yeah, it's, you don't have to be checking out somebody to notice that they have matching tattoos. That was the weirdest thing ever. It perfectly. And I didn't even make the video. I was literally on uh, Instagram Reels. I was yeah. working nights. I was about to leave work. I pulled up my Reels, and that got suggested to me. And I was like, what the hell is this? And why was this not a big deal? Because it... It was a, like a preview of a football life story that's probably, I'm assuming it's going to be on Kittle, but it, it had to be like literally a preview that ran on NFL Network. So how did it not become a viral story already? And then my post ended up getting like a million views of me just literally screen recording a video somebody else made. Did you just tell that whole story just so you could say that you had a post that got a million views? No. I think it's hilarious that they have matching tats on their asses of an address. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, yeah, whatever. To each their own. You do you, George. Uh, Red Eye is mad at me now because I pointed out his ridiculous comments. So now he's going back to the tried and true. Has Guerrera ever played a sport? Or does she just talk shit about sports all the time and people that play them? You see, you think you're hurting me by referring to me as she? Like, is, is that your big plan? Give me a break. Is right. it who who is he? Is he a he's a 49ers player in disguise? <laughs> Does it make you mad that I get to talk about sports for a living and I weigh 140 pounds? Huh? Hey, hey uh Rob, your sports comments are so invaluable that guy is here giving us views. <laughs> my sports commentary has got you in my stream watching my show. <laughs> your sports commentary has you in the comments. All right. Anyway, enjoy your Thursday, everybody. Let's go, Niners. Just a quick reminder, Levin and I, well, actually, I don't know. Are you going to be in the instant reacts? Uh, no. 
Oh, okay. I'm going to be able to join for 15 minutes like I did one other time, but uh, no, I will not be able to be there the whole time. All right. Which annoys me to no end. You tend to do that to people, even yourself. Uh, so, all right, I will be here. We'll see if I can get a grab a co-host, but don't worry. Immediately after the game, we will be live reacting to everything here on YouTube, on Facebook, on Twitch. Please, please join us for that. It's one of our most fun shows when they win every single week. If not, come for a little bit of therapy. Um, what is this? Cleavage. Well, I already have. I mean, I could expand it there. It's not going to be fun for anybody. But anyway, please join us for that. Uh, hopefully they win and get back on track and we could celebrate together. Rate, review and follow the Gold Standard Podcast Network. Like and subscribe to the channel. If you hit the little bell. You'll get notified every time we go live, not just after the game, but every single weekday, we will be live here for you. Levin, I will miss you on Sunday, but I hope you have a good rest of your week and a good Sunday. Say that again. You're going to miss me? Yes, I will. Just not the same without me. I know. It's better. It's not the same. It's better. Have a good one, everybody.